You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 45, as Andy and I continue the conversation about the new regime change of the New York Rangers and the future with Chris Jury as the GM and president. You know, obviously, I don't think Dolan really gives a shit what kind of optics uh, anything portrays, but I do think maybe Sather might be a little bit more professional about it and kind of tell Dolan, you know, this is how it should be done. Do you think that uh, it was it's strategic to not fire Quinn right away, let him ride out the rest of the season? This way the team feels comfortable. Um, obviously, there's a lot of new faces in the lineup right now. Um, it's, you know, essentially an AHL team, a glorified AHL team uh, that the Rangers are playing with right now. <clears throat> Do you think that you know, they said, let's not fire Quinn right now. Let him ride out the season with these players. They're comfortable with him right now. And let's just ride it out. We'll get rid of the management right away. Drury, start looking for your next coach. Yeah, I mean, I like you said earlier, I have the feeling that they're going to, Quinn will probably be let go this offseason, especially if it gets to 
if after the interviews with the players and maybe if they feel like, oh, we, we didn't really know what to do for more ice time and we were, it made, we were second guessing ourselves. I don't think it's going to he's going to get like a mandate where you have to like cut it out. Because, again, I think it, it kind of everyone feels that he was kind of the, the starter coach and then you get a finisher coach, you know, so. I just don't see a scenario. I think if he is back next year, it's a mistake just because I think we've seen and I think this fan base has seen enough to know like he's not the X's and O's guy to to get them over the hump because you know, he just doesn't adjust you know like like a we or ab's biggest downfall was his failure to adjust hence why the flyers are in the situation they are now because their goaltending is not standing up this season and lo and behold they're like bottoms of the league and like you know in terms of defense off the rush and, and and just you know shots allowed all this other stuff same thing that happened to the rangers so i just think they they're again i think it's just you know from Every team with structure has absolutely embarrassed the Rangers. And I think they, they're going to look for a big structure coach. So whether that is a Tortorella or hopefully a Gerard Gallant, who is, would be a much better option. Yes. But yeah, you, you just don't know. And you don't know if other coaches shake, like I said, shake loose in the off, or, get, or let go in the offseason. You know, I don't know. I don't know how the, everyone views Rick Tockett. I know he's probably not going to return to Arizona next year, but um. You know, you could argue he's never had the, you know, they had a nice run uh, in the bubble last year. I think they got, what, they made it to the second round or whatever. Uh, but they had, obviously, they had Kessel and Hall and a few other guys. Uh, so he's he would never have the talent. He's, you know, if he came to New York, he would never, he would, he hasn't had that talent yet in his, his career, you know, as a coach. So you don't know what he could accomplish. You know, it's, uh, there's been a point where all the coaches in the league haven't uh yeah they just haven't had that success until they do but um yeah i mean i do think you know he's probably going to try to put his stamp on it by getting a new coach and i know he's close with quinn i just think that i think just in terms that quinn was never in their long-term cards and if i think if they're ready to if the mandate is to win i just don't can't see it being with him there but i've been wrong before a lot you know and obviously trying to predict these things it can be a fool's errand because at the end of the day we're not privy to what's being said behind closed doors or if there's mandates or if there's going to be a show me or prove me or you have this many games you know we don't know yeah yeah i just don't know yeah i don't think like any i don't think anybody knows you know i i think you know this has all come it's come to a point where the the thing that you thought was the most stable within the New York Rangers organization was just completely flipped upside down and is gone. So now you have Drury. So you now nothing's off the board. And like we haven't really even gotten into it, but I'm <laughs> the way things are right now, I, I there's no the only players that I can honestly see safe right now on this hockey team is Panarin and Truba and Fox and maybe Igor and that, like those are honestly the only players that I'm like no they'll I think they'll Lafreniere is safe do you I'm now I'm nervous because there I was, sorry what were you gonna say no I'm just there was a lot of talks about you know one of those players Kako or Lafreniere have to go to bring in one of those players and I am a little bit nervous that given say they're whispering in Drury's ear saying you need to go you need to get Eichel you need to you know get so-and-so you need to get Barkov I'm a little nervous that the green light will go to 
you know, send one of those players. So I, I, I personally, Andy, I'm a little nervous with uh, our youth right now. I don't think any of them are safe, including Lafreniere and Kako. Well, I definitely don't feel players like Kraftsoft, Niels Lundqvist. Uh, I think Keandre is safe. I just, I think Drury has a big soft spot for him. Zach Jones. Uh, yeah. And I mean, based on the the mandate, I know one of Robertson or Schneider is probably safe because just the optics of them being kind of having snarl and being nasty. And like, that's the type of defenseman you need to win, you know? So I think those guys are safe, but everyone else is probably, yeah, they could. Heedle's not definitely not safe. Buchnevich is not safe. Definitely. I, I, in fact, I don't know if Buchnevich comes back, although he actually has a little snarl to his game, but, and again, Zabanajad, I don't think Mika's safe at all. I think if anything, he's probably one of the players who's not safe because I, and again, I love Mika, but it's kind of just proven to be uh, lighted up in the regular season guy. And it's just when things tighten up, he, he, he disappears. Like he hasn't really had an effect, you know? And I think he's a guy who he's got great skill and I don't, it's, and he, listen, he tries, he's definitely competes. It's just, it's just one of those things. I just don't, you know, when things tighten up, I don't think he adapts his game. I think he just wants to try to play the same way with speed. And sometimes you have to kind of stick and move and cycle a little bit more. And I just don't think that's his game. And I think he, Mika, as talented as he is, I just think his game is like, if he, if, if you were able to get an Eichel as a first line center or a Barkov, and then he just becomes your second line center, I think he'd be better than most, he's better than most second line centers in the league, but the same thing, I think that's a good spot for him because I think it frees him up to, you know, he can actually have more success in the postseason that way. Cause I think when he's like going up against the perfection line where they're just so good at not only getting it in, but just slowing it down and letting you collapse first. I just, that's not his game. And that's what you kind of need to do when the postseason, when it's so tight, you know, he's such a rush up the ice and make a fancy move and either snipe or one timer type thing. But he's not the guy who's like making, you know, getting driving to the middle and then passing it off and doing this, you know, it's just not his game. And that might be a symptom of just his, you know, not having the right line mates sometimes or whatever, but, you know, having young Lafreniere who's maybe not ready for that spot yet, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's safe at all. And I do think we've all seen, even with the COVID, you know, which maybe not wasn't his fault because he obviously he rebounded pretty well, you know, if you look at his point totals now, but I just think there's probably, I think there is the optics that, you know, he at, at, at any point, you know, there was so much support for him to become a real leader on this team, but he's just kind of a quiet guy and he's a lead by example guy and it's just not enough. And I think that hurts him, even though if it maybe if it necessarily shouldn't, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, if you look at the makeup of this team and like what they need to approve upon, I, I don't, and like given the, the amount of youth and, and, and players that are signed to ELCs, I'm just very curious if they're going to be willing to shell out some big bucks for Amika Zibanejad, who, who's 28 years old. Um, he's probably a 2A, 1B center in, this, in the hockey, in National Hockey League. And, and listen, he has his moments where he's, I think, a top five center in the NHL. But he also has his moments where, you know, he, he falls to a second line center. And I don't know if you can have that consistency given the youth of this team and, and uh, the amount of money that he's going to ask for once his you know contract is up right now he's making 5.35 million a year and that would be perfect if if he would sign that again but 
given his numbers and and the spurts that he goes into where he just you know flies off the railing and being able to put pucks in the net and it's it's great but I think the Rangers are going to look for something a little bit more stabilizing and and consistent and you know the name of this team certainly could be inconsistency like that's the identity right now and I think Mika is a part of that and I think we all loved him and I'm I'm talking like that he's gone already, but I think the, you know the fan base loved him at moments and then get frustrated at times and and you could say that about you know a lot of players on his team, Chris Kreider, um you know uh, uh, Jacob Truba, uh, you can go right down the line. You know uh, goaltending has been a little in, inconsistency, um, but you know it, there's you know man it's just this this has been so overwhelming talk about like a sensory overload of the past like you know three days what you know i i've been thinking about with this team and all the conversations that i've had and you know every time you speak to someone different you know they talk about something else where you're like i I didn't even think about that oh my god like so you know andy i mean the the roster now is up, up in the air i think the draft this year is is got to have to take a, a new look at with a different lens because now we have a, a Chris Drury leading the way and ultimately making decisions on, on who to draft, you know, I, I think or we, what to do with that pick even at this you, point, right? You, right. It's a, is it even worth picking in the middle of the first round and not, you know, trading it away to maybe bring in some more stabilizing pieces to this, to this roster. And I think those are, that's a fair, that's a fair move for Drury to make. I, I wouldn't be mad at all if he, he traded away that first round pick. And I think, you know, and especially you over the next couple of weeks, I think you need to look at a lot of our prospects and cause you know a lot about them, but you have to look at them through a whole new lens and, and get back to me because now I have no idea who, you know, these, who these players will, will be, uh, you know, within the New York Rangers organization, because, you know, he could be looking to transform this team into something totally different because I think we knew what yeah. we were getting out of uh, Gorton and JD. And now with Drury and, and, and Sather kind of looking at this team and this roster, I think you could see the Rangers kind of revert back to their old ways, but kind of right the ship in, in terms of, uh, you know, rebuilding with, uh, with depth and, and more stabilizing pieces. Yeah, well, I mean... It should be said, even with the rule change to the the, the draft lottery, uh, the Rangers can still jump up. So I just went to Tankathon and I ran it four times, and on the fourth try, we jumped up to second. Uh, you know, from fifteen, because and remember, I think Arizona has forfeited their pick, so they're one of the teams that are technically should pick are supposed to pick in front of the Rangers, or uh, um, you know, so. I think it's one of those things where they would maybe see how that shakes out first, obviously. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think they're going to trade the pick during the playoffs anyway, so they'll know where they're picking. If, yeah, if everything holds and they end up picking 15, I think that's where they're, I don't know if they win tonight, if that drops them up, you know, they'll probably pick most likely they're going to pick somewhere between, um, uh, 14 and you know 16. I think they're you know, most likely. I think they're going to end up staying at 15. But if they drop, if they drop, all of a sudden, even though it's not as the strongest drafts in the world, if you can get one of uh, Owen Power or Matthew Beniers or someone else, if they covet them, then yeah, because obviously picking 15 and picking two are two totally different things. You know, 
Right. And we can't drop to one, right? Is that the rule that they impose this year? Uh, or is that, was that just a proposal? I don't, I don't know if that's just going forward. I think the Rangers can... Yeah, I, I don't know if they can win the first overall pick. They can definitely jump to second. Okay. Uh, but I don't know if that takes into... I don't know if it's just retroactive, you know? I don't know if it's like it has to do with where they're picking, you know? And, uh, I'm and, not sure if that just like... It's like from now on, you know what I mean? And now with the you know exposure right. for Seattle and with with that and, and given our roster right now, I mean, who do you think is exposed, you know, with the, with the New York Rangers? Because, um, you know, I, when we signed on, um, oh my God, why am I, why am I, Zach Jones, Morgan, Morgan Barron, more, well, Morgan Barron, and then the goalie, oh, Kincaid. Oh my God. You know, I thought, he, yeah, blockade, yeah, blockade. I, you know, I thought possibly, you know, if he's signed, we could, you know, obviously put him, um, you know, out there and expose him, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the Rangers are going to do now with, with anything. So uh, what are your thoughts on the exposure for the Seattle draft? I, I don't think that changes much. I think Brett Howden, I don't know how the, the Gorton saw and JD saw Howden, but I think you, you look at the way that Morgan Barron comes in and is instantly better than Brett Howden or more impactful. Uh, yeah, I just think I think the organization is going to move on from him. Uh, I don't know how they feel about Julian Gauthier yet. I, it's apparent Quinn is not the the biggest fan of his game or has, you know, but you can't argue his upside. So, I think it's it kind of stays in line with what we how we said. I do think I do think Howden is uh, and you know the writing's on the wall for him at least. You do wonder how this affects players like Libor Hayek or Tarmoreen and then, you know, these guys who probably just don't have a chance uh, to crack the lineup just with the Rangers prospects coming up in the competition on that side. So um, I think it stays pretty much the same from how we've discussed it. But at the same time, like I said, I do think at least in the bottom six, uh, you know, you do wonder if with the season that like Colin Blackwell has had, does he have in the offseason I forget if he's if he was on a one year. I think he's got another year, right? Colin Blackwell. Yeah. Uh, Blackwell has another year. Uh, yep. That's yeah. Him. So I mean, I, they're not going to pr- use a protection slot on him. So who knows? Maybe he gets exposed and and they maybe Seattle and their the analytics department. I don't know what his underlying numbers look like, but you just see the fact that he makes he's got this much and he's he you put him with good players and he was able to play up the lineup and they're like, oh, you know, who knows. But I, I actually don't know how if they're who knows. I don't know if Seattle's going to try to go the Vegas route and be competitive right out of the box or just set them up for the future. You know, um, it's worked out really, really well for uh, <laughs> Vegas so far because they're still one of the powerhouses in the West. Although I don't know if that'll it's just I just don't think teams are going to allow what happened to Vegas to happen to them. Although I shouldn't bet against the GMs valuing the wrong players and being stupid. You know, not only picking the wrong guys, but like giving away, like <laughs> the wrong, giving away valuable guys to keep guys who suck. You know, it's like take Jonathan March's soap. Just please don't pick, you know, I don't know, Mark Pissick or something, you know, that type of stuff. Right. Um, I mean, this, I mean, I don't know about, I don't know that what this year might entail, but, you know, I almost thought that maybe the GMs were letting some of these players go just for the, th- like, the thought process of 
well, this team is going to struggle for the next 10 years just to get going. So it doesn't really matter who I throw out there as long as I'm, you know, building the roster that I want, you know, and then lo and behold, the team is, you know, competitive right off the bat and, and fighting for a Stanley cup in year two. So, um, you know, looking at, you know, the Rangers roster right now, uh, Colin Blackwell signed for next year. You have Kevin Rooney signed for next year. Uh, Howden, Julian Gauthier, Philip Peel are all restricted free agents. Pavel Buchnevich is a restricted free agent for next year. Um, and then, you know, even following that, you know, that's, you know, we have Mika Zibanejad and Ryan Strom for one more year and then become unrestricted free agents. So there's just a lot to look at, you know, with this roster. And man, I, I tell you, now that this has happened and, and this could just be, uh, you know, in my own heart and head reacting to such chaos, but this roster could see even, even more changes. And that, that's kind of the, the scary thing. And, and, uh, you know, at least on defense, I feel like there's a little bit more st- stable, you know, players down there. You know, Truba, you know, Truba and Fox, Lindgren, Miller, and, you know, I think those four guys are, are our future of our defense. But who knows at this point? I mean, I have no idea. But uh, what about uh, Georgiev? Do you think he's safe in all of this now madness or do you think the Rangers uh... will move on from him? I think he's safe for the time being, because like I said, goaltending is widely viewed as voodoo around the league. And we Carter Hart has a bad year. Does that mean Philly's going to move on from Carter Hart? No, you know, and Georgiev's still pretty, he's younger than Shesterkin and clearly not as good as Shesterkin. But does that mean he's bad or not a good backup? No, he's had some good performances this year. He's also had some rough ones, but that's most goaltenders, right? It's like. You know, if the whole team underperformed. So, you know, there's games where through no fault of his own, you know, the Rangers were, were lit, blown out or lit up just because they're, you know, they couldn't score goals or they lose, you know, you know, th- uh, two, two or three nothing, even though they couldn't score. And at the same time, they had some some rookie breakdowns that happened. So I think Georgiev is safe, at least of now. Uh, I don't think he's got any the trade value. I don't think you trade him right now. But at the same well, time, I think, I think he could be seen as a piece in a big trade. Yeah, oh, I think he could be a piece, but at the same time, his value is not what it was over no, the last no. summer where they could have, you know, not that you get a lot. Because, again, goalie value is always kind of depreciated anyway. So, again, with the, the rough season he's had or the Rangers have had uh, vis-a-vis him, yeah, I, I just think, uh, yeah, it's depreciated. But if it, he the sweetener to get something done, yeah, definitely. I well, think, I like you said. sent to Buffalo for Eichel. Yeah, that's for well, sure. exactly. Yeah, he could be included in that. Um, so, yeah, so I, at least in, as far as the expansion goes, I don't think he'll be ex- ex- exposed. But at the same time, uh, you know, looking at the Rangers in terms of unless they feel they can sign a backup for Shesterkin for next year. I don't know if Adam Huska is, you know, ready yet. He's probably close-ish, but I don't it's so hard to know what you have in him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just don't think. Georgiev gets exposed, but at the same time, yeah, he could definitely be a throw-in. But at the same time, I, I have a weird feeling he'll you'll see him as Igor's backup next year, unless he just says, "Please do something with me." Like I, I want to be a starter somewhere, and I don't know if a team's going to give him that chance after this season. But we'll see. He's young, and he's he has a good, you know, at least the two seasons prior, his track record was pretty good. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabers of the Hockey Podcast Network. 
things are not going very well in Saberland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next year? Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack Eichel be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. Now, I had another question for you, too, with, you know, obviously Chris Drury taking over the role as GM. He's a college hockey player. He played for BU. Uh, he, um, you know, has a, 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 you would think a bigger relationship with the NCAA rather than junior hockey. Now, I've always been a part of the, the thought, pro- the people who think that, you know, the successful teams always a lot of, always have, Canadian junior tough hockey players on their team and not exactly built around NCAA hockey players. I think those players are very good complementary pieces, but ultimately if you, you know, when push comes to shove, I kind of want Canadian junior hockey player on my team over an NCAA. I don't know statistically if that's even pans out to be a true statement, but I just feel like those players are a little bit tougher, the better, the more NHL ready um than on the average ncaa player now with that being said do you think the rangers are going to be drafting ncaa heavy rather than junior heavy no i don't think so i think because i mean listen the rangers have always kind of had a mark uh on them as being a more proclined to to be have connections to the ncaa and and american players you know and it didn't really get them much of anywhere they, you know, I think there, I forget, there's one season where between, you know, McDonough and Kreider and Stepan and yeah, I just, we've, we've, yeah, I think they've already had that mark on them. So I don't think they're going to even go even further into that. I think, um, you know, I think you've seen the Rangers the last few, I haven't, I don't know if Drury makes a lot of sweeping changes, especially cause he's had a, he's had a strong presence in for the Rangers with their scouts and scouting games. And you have seen the Rangers finally bolster their, their presence in the Western Hockey League over the last few seasons. And uh, we do know JD's, I think it was his stepson or his son, son-in-law was like uh, one of the scouts, right? I think it's one of the Rangers scouts in Canada. So I don't know if he goes now, but at the same time, I think they've made a concerted effort to bolster their, you know, and listen, Glenn Sather is a, is a, is a Canadian guy. Like he, he probably, you know, the, you look at those Oilers teams. I don't think he, you know, if anything, I don't think they're, he is, um, yeah, I, I, I think he, he definitely, I'm sure, enjoys himself a good old, you know, Western Prairie boy to, to be on the Rangers. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, know if there's necessarily any truth to the fact that, like, now that if Drury's got the helm, we're going to go more NCAA or USA hockey heavy. I think, you know, I, and again, I, I think there's trends. I think you look at that, uh, looking back at that national development team from two years ago, 
how many of those players, it was just a right, great crop where a lot of them ended up, if they didn't end up, you know, make the junk at Jack Hughes, they went, they played, uh, and you know, most of them played college hockey, your Cole Caulfield's, uh, and your Zegras's and your Alex Turcotte. So I just think it's kind of cyclical and you just take the best player available. You know, you would hope that would be the prevailing wisdom, but no, I don't think necessarily this means we're going to like draft or be, have more of a proclivity to draft, uh, um, yeah, more proclivity to draft like NCAA players, I, especially, I just feel like in the last few seasons, you've seen the Rangers kind of open themselves up a little bit more because they've never been afraid about drafting Russians, but you know, Swedes a little, yeah, you know, I don't know. The, the Rangers seem like pretty well balanced. They've, they've kind of picked from all over. They, you know, he, taking Heedle from the, the Czech extra Liga was kind of was, ends up being a really prescient and good move for them. And, uh, like I said, if anything, it was just their 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 CHL presence was kind of lacking there for a bit, but they've kind of are have, have clearly, you know, have put uh between Will Cooley, um, and Braden Schneider and Matthew Robertson and um uh what's his face? The the center they drafted uh from Windsor. Whatever, you know, they they they're clearly bolstering their presence there. So I don't know if Drury necessarily is going to now like kind of steer them away from that, but he might put his stamp and maybe it, it'll shift it some way, but I don't think it's like it's going to go lean heavily one way or the other. All right. And, you know, one of the last you know questions that I have for you, and, you know, I think it's I think it's one that's more of a, a league question rather than the Rangers question. But given, um, you know, given the success that I think. Gordon and JD had here together. What do you think their future entails? I know, you know, I, I'm under the impression that Gordon will have, uh, will be employed next season for sure. Uh, I don't oh. think, I, I think he'll be gobbled up immediately. Uh, JD, on the other hand, I don't know what he wants. You know, I, I think he really thought that the New York Rangers were, you know, his, you know, his retirement, you know, he, and he was going to ride this yeah. as, as long as he wanted to. And, and then, you know, sail into the sunset. Now I think things are kind of flipped upside down, I think in his life. So I don't know if it's going to go back to, you know, maybe announcing, I know ESPN now is, is hiring. <laughs> like, I don't know, like what, what he's going to do in terms of his future. So what are your thoughts on that? And, and where do you think, you know, Gorton ultimately ends up? I mean, listen, I think with Jeff Gordon, he'll, like you said, he'll get gobbled up almost immediately. I have to imagine. I don't think he wants to take time off. Uh, he's still relatively young. I think he's like 52. So that's still pretty young for an executive. I mean, the poor guy, he was interim. Remember when he was interim uh, general manager for the Bruins? Yep. He basically set the table for them. You know, he ran that draft where they got Lucic, Marshand, and Kessel. Uh, he traded Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rask. <laughs> I think we forget about that. I think he made, he signed Chara and Mark Savard. You know, it's like, he, I know, he, I forget, he, I don't know if he was the, in the Blake Wheeler trade or, or the Sagan trade or any of that stuff, but, you know, and basically, you know, uh, who, uh, Sweeney got, ends up getting all the, you know, he gets, he gets moved on. He moves on, right? Or, or I'm sorry, Peter Shirelli gets all kind of gets all the the credit for that. The Bruins winning the cup when he was the one who basically set them up for that, you know? Right. Which 
And it might, hey, can you imagine it happen again? The Rangers win, and it's like, oh, Chris Drury. Had a, and listen, Chris was involved during this process, but like Gordon kind of set the table. You can't really say 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 they set the table because who here from the say their era is left? No one. You know, you, you know, and I mean, yes, obviously, it's like Rick Nash helped them get uh, like a Ryan Lindegren, but you know, the Rangers didn't really do much. You know, history has shown that now the Ranger, the McDonough trade was an absolute abject failure, right? So, you know, there's not much from that. Although I guess that was Gordon, who was technically at the helm by that time. But, you know, uh, say they were still involved. But, I mean, if I'm a struggling organization, I, I don't know. Can Buff- well, Do you think Buffalo now goes after Jeff Gordon? Let's say the edict is on that, like, even if you just make him president, just knowing that the second... You know, it just goes. Kevin Adams continues to be not get it done. You can just bring in a guy who helped pull off one of the more successful rebuilds of the last two decades, right? Um, I guess it has to be somewhere he wants to go. You know, Gorton I know is a New England guy, so he's. I think he's from Massachusetts, so I don't think Buffalo's too far from his family, and he wouldn't mind doing that. I don't see him going to like Arizona or something, but no, I. I who knows? There, there are a couple spots that I, I but, think I. You, I can personally say Sorry, uh, well, Anaheim is one of the places that uh, I've seen kind of thrown around. I don't know what how the the Ducks feel about their you know GM Bob Murray, or I don't even know how long he's actually been their GM for. But um, you know, I, I think that's a team that is almost in a similar position that the New York Rangers were when they wrote the letter in terms of they're kind of shedding the the older players on their their hockey team and they're becoming younger and they're in the process of a of a rebuild and you know I think they have some key pieces you know sort of like the Rangers did and with a little draft capital I, I think Anaheim could be a team that turns it around pretty quickly and if you get a GM like Gorton who's kind of used to doing this you know I, I think within five years you could look at the Ducks and say you know here's a team that was at the bottom. Gordon comes in, can fixes it. You're not going to get any worse right now than than the Ducks in, t- in terms of, well, you can the Buffalo Sabers, but if you take the Buffalo Sabers out of it, um, you know, I, I I don't know if anyone really wants the Buffalo Sabers job, but um, you know, Anaheim's the one place that I I was looking at as a, a spot for him. Yeah, that could definitely be a spot for him. Like again, I don't know what Bob Murray's plans are at, at his age and all that, but um. How old is he? Bob got, Murray? His 60s? He's got to be in his 60s, right? Yeah, no, he, uh, he'll be kicking around for a while, I think. Um, this is the wrong... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I Wikipedia'd uh, Bob Murray, and a different Bob Murray came up. Let's okay. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, what were you going to say for your next one? No, it's just... Uh, oh, for Davidson. Yeah, for Davidson. I, I, I think he get, gets back into maybe more analytical work. I don't know if the NHL, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know with him. I feel like this has got to be a complete shock. And I, th- uh, I think it is uh, not to cut you off, but I, I think this was kind of his ride off into the sunset thing. I don't think he goes back to TV, although ESPN, who knows, you know, he's 68 years old. Um, Does he really want to get back on the road? It was one thing doing it as part of the Rangers where he could just send someone if he didn't want to go and just send me reports from home. And like I said, it's in his blood. So it's a little different. You know, is it worth it for him to like, is he going to want to be like, all right, 
you know, get John, get on, get on the plane because you're you're doing, uh, you know, whatever San Jose, uh, whatever, yeah, San Jose Nashville series. You know, I just don't know if he wants to do that. Um, again, it's a real shame because, he, like you said, his influence on this organ on multiple organizations has been stabilizing. So I think he could definitely another guy who I think would easily find another job because I think everyone Jersey, was blind. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be wild. I would hate it, but um I mean, it's he definitely has the credentials. He has the respect. We've heard from all the things that multiple executives off record were actually shocked and saying like he the Rangers were literally doing everything right and these guys get fired. So it's you definitely know he he was it's the view around the league is most likely he didn't get a this is not a fair shake for him, you know, or Gordon. So it's not, I don't think they're, it's like, you know, there's some guys, their tenure doesn't go well. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I want any part of this guy, <laughs> but I think they're two guys where you'd absolutely, I think teams are going to be lining up. I think they're looking at the contracts of the guys that are currently in the books and they're trying to make it work, you know, salary wise, because you have two guys that they literally showed that if you, especially because I think at the end of the day, I don't think any team really has the appetite to rebuild. It's just, they they swallow the tough pill because they understand it's what they have to do. But especially when you have ones like New Jersey has been rebuilding for a decade, you know, since like, since they went to that, uh, that cup final or quarterfinal, I should say, or whatever it was. Um, yeah, but a lot of these teams, but like when, when you, they, a lot of these teams, when they say they're rebuilding, they don't actually like rebuild. I felt like the Rangers were actually like rebuilding. Like they acquired draft capital. They, um, you know, I mean, obviously they brought in a little bit of, you know, some higher end talent because I think the draw for, for the, you know, to play in Manhattan is, you know, a huge appeal to a player, especially like, like Panarin and and Zibanejad would want to stick around for this. And, um, you know, but I I feel like, you know, teams like New Jersey and teams like Anaheim, and maybe they're not the sexiest name in the league in terms of organization, organizations that players want to play for. Like, but you you really kind of have to dive in deep and and rebuild like through the draft. Like, and I know it's hit or miss, but I felt like New Jersey kind of there was a patchwork there, and they brought in players like you know PK Subban, um, Simmons, and and you know you know tried to you know make Hughes relevant immediately, and you know obviously they got a good draft and Nico Heischer, who's you know they're now they're captain. But, you know, again, they're teams that kind of there was more patchwork there than anything. And I don't know. I look at that roster right now and and I say, like, every year they try to make themselves relevant for the current season. And there's always just a bad signing or or, you know, they let players go, which I I don't think they should have let go, even though I thought that was actually a pretty good trade um, for Coleman. But I thought, you know, Blake Coleman was a, a guy that on New Jersey that you know, could have been a mega star and really helped them transform that, you know, franchise. Um, but here we are uh, a couple of years later after that trade. And, you know, you don't, you don't have Paul Mary or, or um, uh, Zajac anymore. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. And again, I don't know if there's necessarily a blueprint for these things. I, a lot of it is just kind of gauging the situation and just kind of reacting for what do we have? What do we need to jettison? What, you know, what players can we get? Is this like, is this like when to kind of break from the mold? And I think that's just the one thing Gordon has done 
you can maybe argue that it hasn't all been sunshine and rainbows, you know, obviously with the, like the Leah selection and, uh, the, how, you know, Kako and, and Lafreniere kind of struggled out of the gate and crafts off and all this other stuff. But at the same time, in terms of the big picture and, and like kind of when to like pull the trigger on this guy or that guy. Yeah, it's a mixed bag between obviously Truba and Kreider. But, you know, uh, the trading uh, Broussard for Zabanajad and and just, you know, making sure they were in, a, in for Panarin. Like, you know, it's big picture. He's done a good job. So I just think on. Again, I think other GMs or executives around the league see that and owners and they're like, this is a guy that can come into, it's not like, you know, where Quinn is a guy who was brought in just because he's fits the certain mold. I think they like the fact that Gordon has done, you know, and JD have gone to different teams in different situations and they've, they've turned them around. That's kind of indisputable, right? So yeah. Yeah, it's clearly. Although they, I will have to, I do have to go back. I have to give PK a little bit of credit. I think he turned his game around a little bit this more, more this year, and he, he was. Yeah, he was better this year. Yeah, he was. was he's still not what he once was. No, and listen, players get older. Players get older, and they can't help it. You know, I think Subban's a guy. Like you said, I just think he 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 has to change his game, and I think he's he's looked bad. He's been one of the more noticeable players for good and for bad when he's on the ice. You know, when you're on a bad team, it's tough especially having the reputation he had. But he was excellent in Nashville. Maybe not that last season before he got traded, but when they went to the cup final, he was one of their best defensemen. He, you yeah. know, And he had really turned himself into a shutdown guy, and he was good. It's just I think that was like Duncan Keith, who is now like one of the worst defensemen in the NHL yeah. in terms of replacement. Literally, you run yourself into the ground playing those minutes at that age, and then you you turn thirty three or whatever, and we can't all be Mark Giordano. Then you just or Chara, and you, you know some guys just fall off a cliff, and that that's what happened to, to Subban. So, you know, and it's some it's not really their fault. It's just they get its perception is uh you know the enemy of reality, right? So, um, but yeah, I, like you said, it's just I don't think there's a set way to blueprint or set way to do this, but I think the 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 allure of a John Davidson and uh, Gorton is that they've all walked into different scenarios and just left them better than when they came. So even if it doesn't work out, it's like immediately and you're like, we have to make a change all of a sudden. It's like, oh, it proves its value down the line. And even they don't get the credit for it, you know? Yeah. And so and, yeah. and here we are. Um, we started with you know, basically the, uh, the, the chaos of the, you know, capitals and Rangers, uh, we go into, um, you know, the, the chaos of the, um, the firing of, you know, uh, JD and Gorton. And now we're talking about, you know, that PK's, uh, status on the New Jersey devils. It's just crazy how <laughs> our conversations just go from, you know, one thing to, to the next. And, and here we are, you know, thinking the most stable pieces of the New York Rangers organization um, will be here for the next few years and see all of this through. And then the table gets flipped. And now I feel like this is like a new beginning again. And I don't know what this means for the New York Rangers future. Ultimately, I wanted to ask you to end the podcast, you know, Andy, like with all this stuff that that's been um, that's happened over the last week. You know, ultimately, are you optimistic? Because I am one of those where I was super angry. I was, you know, I felt lost. I was like, what the hell just happened? You know, how could how could he do this? This is reactionary. This isn't fair. This has everything to do with Tom Wilson. But, you know, as time went on, 
and you know wait 24 hours before you make a, a emotional reaction looking at everything that has happened to this team over the last week i am still a little bit nervous but i do want to see things through i'm not going to say chris jury's not the right person for the job you know maybe he is that gm that does you know bring in the 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 next ingredient to make this team successful and ready for the next phase of, of really, because ultimately playoff hockey is the next phase for this New York Rangers team. And as part of this rebuild, you know, you saw, you know, if this wasn't a COVID season, I think the Rangers do make the playoffs, but next year should be more normal. I expect the Rangers to make the playoffs given our current roster right now. And, you know, I would imagine that the Rangers try to bring in pieces now to put us over the top or a competitive for a Stanley cup. So Andy, as the next phase of, you know, this New York Rangers team starts, are you optimistic? How are you ultimately feeling right now? I mean, I'm uh, cautiously optimistic because like we said, I had a similar reaction to you at first shock and confusion and anger, and they're going to ruin everything they've done. But at the same time, it's like the more you hear about some of the concerns and the complaints and why this happened, uh, you kind of feel, well, I personally, I kind of agreed with a lot of things that were going on. And, you know, I just, it's funny just because we always had this thought of that at this point you have the, uh, the starter coach with Quinn and then you get the finisher coach. Well, I didn't think you'd maybe have a starter GM and then a finisher GM, but maybe because I think we, you know, I think outside of the Zibanejad trade uh, and just uh, acquiring people, like, you know, there's been good and bad with Gorton. And so who really knows? Maybe that isn't his forte. Maybe you do need a Drury tr- proves to be Iserman, like, you know, like his former, you know, high profile players, you know, and winners turned GMs or Sackick. He becomes yet another shark out there. I don't know. I don't really know. I, a lot of it's going to, because he's, uh, apparently it's all him. He's the president and he's the general manager. So it's all going to fall to Chris Drury to kind of ultimately steer the ship. So I, I think I have faith in him, you know? And I know, if nothing else, James, I know that we have something that no other team has. Do you know what that is? A Little League World Series? Exactly. We have a GM that won the Little League World Series. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.